Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And tonight, it's that time of the season, so we're going to do a, a fun little deck tech, I guess. Uh, we got to think of a fun name for this, but uh, Bruce here, Bruce, Brucey boy, brought in his for show and tell, uh, his Unmander, red and black, Grisilda, Monster Masher. Yes, I've got a hundred cards for show and tell. Let's, let's preface this with there are approximately four silver bordered cards in this deck? Uh, one, two, three, four, I, I think it's just the four, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so obviously, ask your your table mates, your your pod, if they're okay with this, and have at it. Grisilda is a marvelous creature. Uh, just look at that hair. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's fun. I don't know how many times I can say that. Look, it, um, as long as as long as the people you're playing with enjoy fun, then you shouldn't have any issues. Yeah, and if they say no, tell them that they don't enjoy fun. I'm sure that'll go over well. Yeah, uh, what could go wrong? So let's get right into it. All right. Grisilda, Monster Masher. Three, Black Red. Four, four, Legendary Creature, Zombie, Villain. Combined, enchanted, and equipped creatures you control have Menace. Three, Black Red, Tap. Put two target creature cards from graveyards onto the battlefield, combined into one creature under your control. Uh, reminder text, its power is equal to their total power, its toughness is equal to their total toughness, and it has their names, mana costs, types, text boxes, etc. You bet. That's the card. It's uh, yep. very wordy. Um, it is, mostly because of the, of the, I guess, the reminder text, which is less reminder text and more, this is how this card's supposed to work. But uh, trust me, it's well worth it. So... Obviously, the entire deck revolves around Grusilda and her ability. I mean, the, the whole point is, it does not say they have to come from the same graveyard, and it doesn't say that it has to come from yours. So you can pull stuff out of opponent's graveyards and yours, or out of two different opponent's graveyards, or how, whatever combination that you want, and create all kinds of weird funkiness that you never even considered when you started building the deck because, hey, those cards weren't in your deck to begin with. It also puts a little bit of a scare into your opponents as far as what's going into their graveyards. Or do those cards have entered the battlefield triggers that maybe they don't want it they don't want to see you getting over and over again? Because that is really how it works. So as far as putting it together, the biggest thing for me when I started putting it together was the ramp package. Oh. Yeah. When you start with a commander that costs five and its activated ability also costs five. Quite often, you're going to want to try and activate the ability the same turn it comes into play. So one, you're going to need to give it haste. And two, you're going to need 10 mana to do it the first time. <laughs> this is a tall order. So obviously, it doesn't hap- always happen the way you want it to. This is, this is a very much a fun commander that's really only going to happen with a little bit of help from your opponents. Simply put, you get it out there. And then you have to wait until your next turn because the number of times you're going to have 10 mana is just not that often. And as soon as Grisilda gets killed once or twice, then things start to get 
virtually impossible to try and manage. Um, and at that point, you're sort of just playing with the cards as they come up and just living with the fact that Grusildum is probably not going to be part of your plans for that turn. So Yeah, I see in your ramp wheelhouse, you've got 11 cards. I will say that of those 11, I've listed them as ramp, but realistically, mm, they're barely ramp. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so Neheb doesn't help you race to get your mana early so that you can get ahead. Um, but honestly, I looked at Grusilda and I thought, this is one of those situations where the ramp package can be a little more pricey because you weren't going to race to get her out in the first place. You're not doing ramp so that you can get her out on turn three or four. You're... Right, and kind of like with that too, like once she is out, like the game's very close to being over. <laughs> um... Oh yeah, you, you know, you're only going to get so many opportunities to use her. But so I looked at cards like the Head the Eternal, where you're getting all this mana after you do damage. Well, ideally, you're going to put together a combo that's going to give you a ton of mana. And then you'd be able to activate Grisilda or do other things after you've activated Grisilda. A card like, uh, I mean, I've got Rakdos, Lord of Riots in there as ramp. Because the creature spells cost one less to cast for each life your opponents have lost this turn. So... You know, if you can swing in and hit for four or five points of damage, then Grisilda can be a lot cheaper. Even Revel and Riches, I mean, you know, it's a nice source of mana, um, but it does and cost... And it sticks four. around. Right, but it does cost five, so it, it can be a little tricky. So it is something to keep in mind. Um, I will say I have used Grisilda's ability to try and up the ramp package, uh, just with, like, uh, Solemn Simulacrum, because I had a way oh, to... Yeah. Because I had a way to loop it so that I could kill it off. So it would come into play, I'd get my land, it would be sent to the graveyard, draw a card, and then get it right back out. So not the most optimal use of Grusilda, but it was an option, and uh, at the time I took it. So you've got the Greaves, you've got the Boots, you've got Mask of Avacyn, yeah. all for Hexproof. Obviously the Greaves and the Boots also give haste, which is excellent if you're trying to go mm -hmm. for that same turn play. Um, do you think you need more for Hexproof? Um, it would be, I, I, I think I should probably have at least one more in there. Um, mm -hmm. it's interesting because quite often what I'll end up doing, especially with something like Greaves, is, you know, I'll play Grisilda or use Grisilda's ability, get this massive creature out, move the Greaves onto the creature if it needs haste attack with it, and then move the Greaves back onto Grisilda. The other part is what's often forgotten in Grisilda's text is it's combined, enchanted, and equipped creatures Ooh. you control have menace. So the ability to move the Greaves for zero, the boots for one, uh, Mask of Avacyn's a little, a little more tricky, but for, for a very small cost, you can make even the early creatures that aren't combined something with menace that is just that much harder to stop so um so you can kind of mess with things early on before you're ready to start you know combining mm. creatures out of out of graveyards and putting them into play so so uh grisilda yeah. is your second unmander um behind buzzbark for those who don't know yeah. is there a reason you went with grisilda specifically i like chaos in my games I like variability mm -hmm. in the games. 
And out of all of the silver bordered cards that I thought were quote unquote fair, um, hmm. Grusilda, I thought, was one of the ones that could really bring a lot of variability. When I first put Grusilda together, my goal was I'm going to have a bunch of creatures who are going to enable Grisilda to get out there. So I had a lot of lower casting cost creatures and just things that would, you know, put opponents' creatures into the graveyard or do other things like that, with the idea being that I was going to rely almost completely on my opponents' graveyards to put together these combined monsters that were going to then pound down on people. Um, kind of like uh, kind of like how your Brutoclad deck kind of started. Right. Um Right. Then I, of course, realized the same thing that I realized with Bruticlad. <laughs> My opponents tend to play cards, play play creatures that work well in conjunction with each other. Now, sometimes you're <laughs> lucky, and both of those creatures are in the graveyard, and suddenly now they're on one creature. So suddenly you've created this totally awesome thing that, you know, is a combo with itself. Um, yeah. But quite often what you end up with are cards that are just simply meh. You know, they're, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. But they're not super exciting. And when you're paying five to get Grisilda out and five more to combine these creatures, I want something that's more than meh. I want something where people are like, oh, no. You That's what I want. I want that oh, no moment. <laughs> or where I tap Grisilda and said, okay, I'm going to combine two creatures. And they start thinking about the creatures in their deck. And they're just... Oh, God. And I wasn't getting enough of those moments. So I made some adjustments to the deck and made sure that I had a few bigger creatures that I could go search for. So at least half of the creature would be big and powerful. You know, so if they're offering a utility card like a Muldrifter, I can mm -hmm. go get the Muldrifter and pair it with, how about Mana Charge Dragon? So that way I'm getting a massive flying trampler. And I also get to draw two cards. <laughs> so you know there's so so that you're getting the benefit knowing that uh it has kind of stepped back from using other people's graveyards um like it's it obviously has that flexibility just in the commander itself but uh with with it kind of coming back to your side of the battlefield um your your draw package is uh a very nice, <laughs> flavorful uh, mixture of putting cards into your hand, but also uh, obviously putting cards into the graveyard, uh, right. where you have access to them through a multitude of cards. Yeah, almost every card that that helps me draw cards is a creature, with the right. idea being that somehow they're going to then be able to. Um, that I'll be able to use the cre use that creature to get you know to increase the draw. So, um, well, Magus Magus of the Wheel, for example. Oh yes. <laughs> so you pair it with something else, um, and if you pair it with something with haste, then you pay five, and then you've got a creature that says pay two and tap, sack the wheel. Each player discards their hand, then draws seven cards. Well, this means everybody's discarding their hand. Even if the hands are only four or three, mm -hmm. they don't get to protect the creatures that go there. So now they're filling up the graveyard full of all the creatures that maybe they don't want me to have access to. 
and then everybody draws seven, which means I draw seven. So and I'm whatever's in your hand as well, right? Um, so like you know, you you set it up to have something spicy in your hand, dump out the magus, and then voila, it's in your graveyard, right? Um, it's it's funny because um, knowing this, knowing that you know uh, the idea is to dump a lot of things into your graveyard to have access to it via your commander i've played a few games with you where you've gotten combustible gear hulk attached to something come out of the graveyard Mm -hmm. um and uh for those who don't know combustible gear hulk is a six six for six uh that says when it enters the battlefield target opponent may have you draw three cards if the opponent doesn't put the three top three cards of your library into your graveyard then combustible gear hulk does deals damage to that player equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards which uh in normal circumstances you don't want your opponent to get three cards in hand so you usually opt for the second part but <laughs> uh using Grisilda, it very much makes a very clear argument to let them draw three cards um because well, yeah and especially with this deck where the average mana cost tends to be a little bit higher because well for a lot of mm. these creatures i'm just not really that concerned about the mana cost <laughs> you know right. I, I have no intention of casting them in the first place so I, you know, they're just they're the plan is for them to go straight to the graveyard. So yeah, the costs tend to be a little higher. I just find it interesting that Combustible Gear Hulk uh, leans on the weaker side of uh, your draw package. Yeah, um, ironically. Yeah, but it's um, fun because it'll draw me. Usually, it draws me three cards. Right, and then it gets yeah. There's there's really no downside. Right, and then it's uh. Then suddenly it's a first strike, usually oftentimes with haste. And mm. if it has some kind of evasion, or even if it doesn't, it's a first strike with haste, and it just swings in. Things can get pretty ugly pretty quick. So uh, you had mentioned that a lot of your draw cards are stapled to creatures. Yeah. Um, I I see that that is also the case with most of your removal. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean. I knew that I was going to be looping a lot of cards, so a lot of the a lot of the removal that I've got is uh, you know when it enters the battlefield, destroy it. So um, whether you're looking at artifacts, whether through the through the ingot chewer or um, meteor golem is another one that I like to try and loop, uh, just because hey, uh, the the downside of meteor golem has always been the seven mana cost. So if you avoid that right. altogether. Um, then you're just essentially adding you're you're destroying a non-land permanent and opponent controls and adding three power and toughness to another card and that's just great news so (laughs) um before we move off the the draw one of my favorite cards in the draw is zancha sleeper agent Um, (laughs) and the reason i like that one so much is not so much because of the card draw i mean the card draw is there and it's there for anybody who wants to use it um it's more a case of it's there because it is one of the only ones where I get to build a monster and then give it to somebody else. 
<laughs> and because normally I'm taking their cards and then beating them over the head with their own cards. Well, with this one, I can pair Zantra with something else, and then that opponent is swinging with it every time. And if it means that it dies, well, fine. Then I can, you know, do it again. Do it again. Pair Zantra, and this time maybe pair it with something different. It, you know, there's no re- no reason it has to come out with the with the same thing. I mean, you know, you can always flip things around a little bit. So, uh, it's funny because I feel like the times that I've seen Zancha in this deck has always been towards the end of games. Right. So then, when she comes out, whoever it goes to has a very hard time dealing uh, with trying to understand that they could die at instant speed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very easily. Well, and especially with this deck, because um, with the ramp package being the way it is, I'm trying to get to 12 mana. I'm trying to get absurd amounts of mana because I want to activate Grusilda's ability. So when Zancha is out there, paired with something else, it's likely that I, I will have at least 9 mana, which means I can mm. activate it 3 times. So at any moment in time, somebody could be losing 6 life. That's a... You know, that is a significant hit on a life total as you get towards the end of a game when everybody's life totals are drifting under 20. And when you've got other people out there, I mean, if you happen to give it to somebody who's not the green player, uh, perhaps that perhaps that uh, person might be willing to help you along in doing enough damage to another opponent. I mean, three mana draw a card sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, I've got some questions about some specific cards, but before I get to those questions, let's let's throw it over to our sponsor for this episode. Uh, so we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Stalking Tiger. When your dragons are hidden, go with Stalking Tiger. All I can think of is socks. And now, back to you. Hey, hey, we're back. Hey, look at that. Just like we promised. Uh, <clears throat> all right, Bruce, let's get into the nitty gritty. All right. Deep dive. Um, Deep dive time. The creatures in this deck. I mean, we've talked about a couple that, uh, you know, give you draw we've got anya falconroth we've got azra oddsmaker combustible gear hulk etc mm-hmm. we've got mass removal and uh targeted destruction ingot chewer rakdos massacre worm uh Vyushino heretic i assume is i mean specifically in this deck because it's a creature based removal um it was part of it it's funny, um, I've run a couple other decks that ran Gorilla Shaman, and it was suggested to me that the Heretic might be a better option for some of those decks. And ever since then, I've been like, you know, I really like the Heretic. I like what he does. Um, given that a lot of the combined creatures that I put together have haste, because a big chunk of the creatures that I go and find have haste, because I want to mm-hmm. make sure that these things can swing first turn. But if it has haste, then I can use the heretic's ability immediately to uh, take out an opponent's artifact, um, usually with some level of surprise. So it's uh, it's a, it's a nice option to have. Um, it's also relatively cheap. 
it's a pretty cool piece of tech. And I mean, let's cut to the chase. Let's get to the part that everyone is so excited to hear about. The big, the biggins, the the creatures that uh, are here specifically. Sure. For Griselda. Yeah. I'm going to start with one of my favorites. Um, and it's one of the uncards. So obviously I put those in there because they were just way too cool not to include. Um, so the card I'm going to mention is Stalking Tiger. Stalking Tiger is a card that I was given. Uh, I was lucky enough that I was on uh, Wizards, uh, Wizards list of folks who were getting those uh, the holiday cards at the time. So I got a copy of Stalking Tiger. And uh, played it in a few decks and really liked it just because, you know, who doesn't like the opportunity to tear open a booster and add all those cards to your hand? And that's what Stalking Tiger does. So quite often I will play it, uh, you know, when you're putting it combined with something else and I'm giving it, you know, protection or hexproof. Makes it just that little bit harder to get rid of. It usually has haste. So quite often it's dealing the combat damage. So the odds of actually getting to open up the booster and get all the cards is just a wonderful thing. I've had well, one game in particular when I got to open, I think it was two different two different boosters because I got to open it, it died, and then I got to play it again with a new booster underneath. And it turns out when the booster you pick is a booster of Commander Legends, it's not just 15 hmm. cards, it's 20 cards you get to, you get to hold. And uh, Marvelous. It, it solved a lot of issues for me. It, it gave me some mana that I didn't have before. It gave me, <laughs> uh, it added a bunch of creature cards that ended up in the graveyard where I wanted them in the first place. Provided me with a whole bunch of options. So, um, so I really enjoyed that. So it continues to stay in the deck. And if it's in the graveyard, I will choose that as one of my options virtually every single time. Because, hey. Yeah, right? Yeah um that's that's pretty sweet swinging the other way mm-hmm. um why <laughs> i'm just plainly uh surprised to see this card in here sure. blazing specter it's a 2-2 flying haste when it deals combat damage to a player player discards a card yeah um, blazing specter isn't exactly one of the powerhouses in the deck um part of the issue that i had in one of the early builds was I didn't include a lot of creatures with haste. My attitude at the time was most was that I'm always going to use Grisilda's ability at the end of an opponent's turn. So the creature that I would create would have pseudo haste in the first place because it would be created and then my turn would start and it, and it could attack. So why would I need haste? So I <laughs> was focusing on creatures that didn't necessarily have haste, you know. Let's find stuff with double strike or first strike. Let's find stuff with flying or or some kind of evasion or, uh, you know, or just you know massive dudes to swing in. However, I soon discovered that quite often I was using the mana for something else, or if I did it on an opponent's end step, I wanted to do it again on my turn because I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to have two monsters swinging in. The other benefit of the Spectre is that it's also flying. So yeah, you're giving your creature haste, but you're also giving it flying. So there are a number of other cards that are just within my deck that are made so much better when you can swing right away and it has flying. So it has some kind of evasion. Um, and that tends to be true for a lot of opponents. Um, there are a lot of players who don't put a lot of flyers into their decks. So if I can find a random Avenger of Zendikar that's sitting in a graveyard is now suddenly 
Avenger of Zendikar with flying and haste. So it's not just giving you a ton of plant tokens. It's giving you a ton of plant tokens. And it's also swinging in for... Is that mm. nine? How big is the Avenger? <laughs> is he a 6-6 six, six or a 5? I, I don't mm, remember. I think he's smaller than that. 5-5? Um, five, five? Yeah, he's a 5-5. Five, okay, five. so he would be a 7-7 seven, seven with the uh, right. with the Blazing Spectre. Which is so. pretty sweet. Yeah, a 7-7 seven, seven flyer for, for hasty haste. flying, yeah. And, uh, I mean... For 5. Right, and something that I really haven't mentioned with this deck is Grisilda takes cards out of opponents' graveyards. A lot of times in Commander games, people put stuff in their graveyard with the expectation that they're going to be able to use it later. Who would do that, Bruce? Who knows? It, virtually everybody. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so the idea is that you're taking you're taking that option away from them. So now they have to kill the creature just to get their creature back into the graveyard. So they now have a chance to actually get it back into the battlefield on their turn. Meanwhile, you've got Grisilda sitting there, and if you didn't just do it, as long as you've got the five mana, you can just tap and do it all over again before they have a chance to take it out. So. There's all kinds of benefits there, but cool. Yeah, um, kind of going along those evasion yeah. tactics. I assume that is also tormented soul. Yeah, tormented oh, soul. Tormented soul is definitely another one of the enablers. Um, Dothy horror. <clears throat> yes, um, both the Dothy horror and tormented soul are essentially the same thing. Uh, the tormented soul just says it can't block and can't be blocked. Well, with Dothy horror, you, your creature gets shadow, so it essentially can't block or be blocked. Um, right. I mean, okay, fine, it can't block, but odds are you were going to tap it and swing anyway, so who cares if it can't block? And it definitely can't be blocked, so, you know, you should be swinging in. Well, these creatures offer one power and two power, respectively. So, you know, having them be unblockable is hardly a big deal, but when you can, say, make Master of Cruelties unblockable, um, then suddenly... Uh, that sounds a whole lot worse. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Instead of one damage, we're leaving you with just one life. So, there's that. Yeah. Let's go back to the big boys. Yeah. Um, something I've never seen come uh, into play when playing against this deck mm -hmm. that seems like it would be real, real good is Cairn Wanderer. Um, have you gotten a chance to play with this card yet? I mean, in this uh, deck? It really hasn't come out. Uh, I've had a couple opportunities where it could have. The difficulty was I just kept looking at it and thinking, you know, there were better options, which isn't really fair considering the one time when Karen Wander, when you want Karen Wanderer out is when you do have a pile of cards in the graveyard. Um, right. And a lot of the abilities that are listed there are stuff that, that, that are in the deck. Not so much fear, but first strike, double strike, uh, death touch haste, uh, lifelink is there, trample is definitely there. So, and this goes over the whole table too, mm -hmm. which is nice. It seems like a like a cool card, um, but yeah. Now that you're mentioning that, like it benefits from having a bunch of things in the graveyard, you could just play those things, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, um, Karen Wander is. I, uh, my thought when I put it in was, ooh, I could get a ton of these things because that's when mm -hmm. I would play it. Um, for whatever reason, it hasn't uh, it hasn't worked out that way. So uh, I'm not ready to pull it yet because I do think that you know, I mean, quite honestly, I think Karen Wander is a great card, even if you've only got two or three creatures in your graveyard. If one of them has haste and one of them has flying, then you're already well on the way because you really don't care about the cost. So 
4-4 creature. Um, I should mention Rakdos the Showstopper is also part of this deck. So uh, Karen Wanderer is a, is a demon. So uh, so it would, oh, it yeah. would avoid that, that bit of nastiness as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. I guess we can group these two together. Abhorrent Overlord and Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Mm -hmm. They uh, are both creatures that rely heavily on black devotion, um, which, I mean, you can see throughout this whole deck, there are a lot of cards with two black pips. A couple with three. Mm -hmm. Um, Gary, Grey Merchant of Asphodel, you know, the bane of everyone's existence except for who's playing it. Um, ha- I've seen win uh, because it's it's a little... I mean, it's not a little easy to loop. It is loopable in this deck. Um, and yeah, it is, it's excellent. It is yeah. easily loopable in the deck. Um, if you set it up right, if you can cast it, sack it, and then cast it using Grisilda's ability, you're already getting it twice. Grey Merchant of Asphodel is one of those cards... And I felt the same way about it when we were doing, or when I was using it in Grenzo. It, it's a win con. Uh, it mm-hmm. when it comes, you know, when you've got your chance to do it, even if you don't have the mana to bring it back out again right away, everybody knows it's there. They know that this is coming. They've got to do something about it. Whether it's mass removal to limit the devotion, whether it's getting it out of the graveyard, whatever, it's got to happen. Uh, and it's got to happen to the point where where I feel like it, it draws almost too much attention. It could very well be one of the cards that I pull just because I don't want to feel like when it's in the graveyard, I have to go get it. And, well, quite honestly, with Grey Merchant, you have to go get it. Even if your devotion's only... Well, I mean, if you've got Grisilda out and Gary, well, that's three right there. You're probably yeah. pairing it with another creature that's got at least one black pip in it so that's four or 13 well, or 13 um the last game i played with you yeah uh where you played this deck uh you you really did the thing you had magical christmas land bruce um I kinda did. you played gray merchant of asphodel out um with uh a creature that you brought back from the graveyard mm-hmm um and it's called uh bfm yes uh big furry monster big furry monster it costs 13 black mana it's a 99.99 yeah is that it um no because it also has a it has menace it's not really menace though because it it requires i think three creatures to block the the other thing i didn't mention is that it is made up of two cards Um, well there's that and so the idea is to get it in your graveyard and then use Grisilda's ability to bring both pieces out combined, um, which then it would also have menace as well. Uh, <laughs> right. But, now, um, when I decided to build Grisilda, I knew I wanted to put BFM in there. The problem yeah. is, is that it's a single creature on two cards. You can't use either one of these halves and pair it with anything else. That's not a big furry monster. It it just doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work the way you want it to. It isn't like right. you can pair it with the side that says ninety nine ninety nine with a tormented soul and say that hey it's now this and it's unblockable. That doesn't work because it's not one card is not a creature. You need them both. 
So my thought was, okay, fine. I'll put it in there because the likelihood of ever being able to get both halves of these cards into my graveyard is going to be very fairly difficult. I generally don't have a lot of cards in the deck that let me put cards from my library into my graveyard. And there's not a ton of cards, even a ton of cards that let me uh, take cards from my hand and put them into the graveyard. There's a few. Obviously, we just talked about Magus of the Wheel. Um, so there are ways to make this happen, but it's not as straightforward as, as it could be. Um, I wanted this to be something that wouldn't happen every time because, well, hey, <laughs> you've got the chance to get a 99.99 with, with Super Menace, and then if I can give it haste, well, but it worked out. It worked out real yeah, well. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing feat to be witnessed, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had done... I think you took out two people with the BFM that game. I did. Um, it was, yeah, BFM and Flayer of the Hatebound were out. Oh, yes. So I made BFM, and with Flayer of the Hatebound out, Flayer of the Hatebound says, uh, whenever... Flare of the Hatebound or another creature enters the battlefield from your graveyard. So BFM was entering from the graveyard. That creature deals damage equal to its power to any target. So I did 99 damage to an opponent just by getting BFM into play. That was pretty sweet. And then I gave it haste and swung at somebody else who was unable to block it and took them out as well. It's so good. So... Um, so amazing. And I believe, if I remember correctly, it ended, the game ended the following turn when I was able to just cast Grey Merchant. It wasn't even from the graveyard. Yeah. So Grey Merchant got cast, and it looks at all of the pips on BFM. And honestly, folks, go to Scryfall, look up BFM. It's just a wall of black pips. There's so many there that you have to <laughs> use your finger to sort of separate them to count them out. Um, and it was uh, the game was over it was just over we all knew it it was it was done it was amazing so, um but yeah and it was one of those moments that you know i don't believe it's going to happen again because that was just too many things in the right place at the right time so but yes it could happen again fairly easily <clears throat> with one card in this deck uh which will bring us to our uh our last part of this yeah episode buried alive yes buried alive is two and a black and there are a few cards that do similar things um it says search your library for up to three creature cards put them into your graveyard then shuffle your library um obviously you have this in hand you can get bfm very easily into your graveyard and maybe another creature uh um, yes and i will tell you right now the other creature is going to be anger mm. um I put Buried Alive in early on and was just sort of thinking, you know, this will be a great way to fill my library. Um, the difficulty is that I have now reached a point where if both pieces of BFM are available, so if I have one in my hand, it doesn't do me any good. But if they're both in the library, then why would I do Buried Alive for anything else? Because it <laughs> means I get to find this massive creature and a way to give it haste. It only costs three, so if I get it later in the game, I can put it both paths into the graveyard 
and then you often activate Grisilda on the same turn. So Amazing. no one sees that coming because how can they? There's nothing there. And that entire combo requires me to successfully cast Buried Alive. That's it. <laughs> that's all that's required. Yeah. I need to, to cast Buried Alive and I need, what is it? Another five mana. So I only need eight mana to do it. Um, yeah, there is, and then you got BFM out. Right. But granted, BFM, you only need three creatures to block because he doesn't have trample. Right. So, I mean, there, there. I'm sure there will be games when getting BFM, it won't be worth it. If I'm facing somebody who has a, a token deck, a token deck <laughs> BFM doesn't have trample. It's just going to kill three one ones each turn. And that's assuming that I swing. But the real problem is the Buried Alive. The whole point of the deck is to create variability, to make things different. And all Buried Alive does is it gives me an extra opportunity to play BFM. Now, the deck is still new enough, and it's only happened once, so I'm not willing to yank it out just yet. But even after I did it the last game, mm. I was really concerned that this isn't fun because it's <laughs> not happening naturally. Uh, nor I, what I, I, the way I expected the game to go was to see one half of BFM in the graveyard and have everybody going, where's the next half? When is that coming? What's going to happen? <laughs> what are we going to do if it does? How is this all going to play out? Yeah. And how is he going to get it in there? Right. So I wanted that. I wanted that discussion and that excitement. And right. Buried Alive takes that away. So I, I expect that as this deck gets played more often, I'm probably going to get rid of Buried Alive because I love Big Furry Monster and I don't want to take that out. <laughs> and I think it enables all kinds of weirdness, like with Flare of the Hatebound or with uh, Grey Merchant of Asphodel. And if those things happen, because I happen to get both halves of BFM into the graveyard, then that's great. But if it's happening because of Buried Alive, maybe that's too easy. Maybe yeah. that's not really in the spirit in which the deck is is intended. Like I said, I haven't taken it out yet. Uh, I am going to wait. We'll see what happens the next time I draw it. And if it becomes obvious <laughs> that the scenario where I won't get BFM is so infrequent, then maybe Buried Alive needs to come out of the deck and we'll just have to rely on uh, top decks and, and, uh, and other options to get the two halves of BFM into the graveyard. So, All right, Bruce. Yeah. I got one last question for All you. All right. What does this deck need more of? It That seems to, to change from game to game. Um, I think it needs more ramp, as bizarre as that, as hmm. that sounds. Um, Cryptgast and Neheb are the two forms of ramp in this deck that get me the mana that I need because they can surge and get you large quantities of mana. You know, a soul ring is nice because it adds two mana, but it's two more mana. It's not doubling. It's not, you know, a massive pile right. of mana. So I think I need other options beyond the Cryptgast or Neheb. Uh, I want to find other things that can really pile up mana. Uh, I mean, Revel of Riches does a good job. Maybe Black Market has a place in the in the deck. Yeah. Um, what about... So. Uh... Ashnod's altar. Yeah, I mean, like this deck. This deck lacks 
ways to get things into the graveyard directly from the battlefield yeah. other than Master It definitely Bowl. needs more sack outlets. So a card like mm-hmm. Ashnod's Altar sort of solves both problems. I like having sack outlets mostly because Swords to Plowshares is a miserable card for this deck. I don't want you swordsing away my my monster, <laughs> which means you're taking away two great cards. And I don't get a chance to recast either one of them paired with something else or both of them again. So a sack outlet would mean that I would get to sack of them and be well on the way to possibly even recasting it. So yeah, um, so yeah something like that would be good. I think I need more ramp um, and yeah, some, some sack outlets, but uh, I'm not really sure where to go with the sack outlet yet. Um, I think that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it for questions from me um what saith you about uh final wording of this deck sure uh i'm gonna say the same thing about this deck that i've said about some of the other decks that we've uh, we featured don't copy this deck card for card uh you're just gonna be disappointed um <laughs> A number of the of the inclusions in this deck are here because I happen to own the card. So it's not, this is not a fully optimized version of this deck by a long shot. This deck is here to offer you some ideas, give you a few a few cards that you know that you might want to add to the deck. A big part of my the creatures that I've chosen are all undying creatures with the idea that they come back easily without you know so they're a little more resistant to death. Basically. Take the deck and make it your own. Make it make it work for you. Keep in mind the flavor of Grisilda and the idea that we're working with creatures and we're put your focus somewhere else. Maybe you want to focus on the idea that we just want to get a lot more creatures into the graveyard. So you're going to do that. Um, maybe you've got a group of uh, other creatures that you want to focus on and you think those will be awesome. Go for it. Like I said, I've included a number of cards in here, like Jaya or Chainer, as ways to discard cards into the graveyard. There are certainly other options that you can use, and I recommend you you take a shot with it. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think uh, the emphasis on on making this deck your own um, really brings out this idea of this deck where there's probably like twenty ish, like creatures in the body of this that can be easily slotted in and out of like uh kind of a a module type deck where you can just kind of take this cassette of 20 creatures and replace it with 20 different creatures that um are big and bad and scary and red and black um absolutely different with different keywords um Mm -hmm. Where it's, you know, every time you play, you can swap some in and swap some out. And it's easy to just, all right, I'm going to discard it and try to get it back. Sure, and you um, can make this, uh, make it monster machines and make them, make them mostly artifact creatures. Do yeah. uh, decks like this, and this, this will be the case with this deck. 10 or 15 of these creatures are going to get pulled out at some point and replaced with something else. And they're not going to get pulled out because they're bad. They're going to get pulled out because... I can, I can swap them in for something else. Uh, I mean, murderous <laughs> red crap, red cap is cool, but it's you know there's nothing essential about this. I can find some you mm-hmm. know, just put something else in that has an enter the battlefield ability that is all kinds of funky, or maybe some you know has some other way to return it back to play. Um, yeah, you know, you could do uh, 
you do vampires and <clears throat> werewolves. I guess those are mostly green, but really have like a monster mash of uh, cool, just just anything. Yeah. Honestly, um, yeah. I mean, you know, there are a handful of cards that you will want in the deck um, that you don't really ever want to leave. I mean, Crypt Ghast. I really like Chainer Nightmare Adept. That's another key card. Um, but for the most part, you can swap stuff out. I mean, last one standing is not the best form of removal by a long shot. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's in there because I because I got a kick out of it and I happen to own one. So make make the deck your own. Make it work. Yeah, they're unmanned. Have fun with they're it. They're unmanned decks. I mean, whatever. Make it fun yes. for you and the rest of the table. Um, Look, the deck doesn't have to be optimized, but it sure as heck better be fun. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and with that, uh, we're Temple of the False Pod. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. He already said my line. So uh, <laughs> have a great night, and we hope your fifth land is the temple. Bye. Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, Also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.